Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In the Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in the moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymile.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, Tony chats with the talented Isabella Vitovich about her journey through the film industry as a child to teen actress. They talk about her role on the Veronica Mars reboot, her first Hollywood film with Julia Roberts, and producing her own film. They also discuss immigration and climate issues, how the times have changed, and the possible future awakening on the horizon. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome Hello. to In the Moment. Hi, that's my guest. Let's give a warm round of applause to Isabella Vitovic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. She's like a Zoom novice. We're having to Zoom still because we are deep in the heart of COVID. And oh I know you've, you've Zoomed before, but this is probably uh, still a, like an untamed beast. Yes. It is. I mean, I uh, feel like I need to wipe my camera. I um, I love FaceTime because you just have to like click accept. Um, I feel like with Zoom, there's all this unnecessary uh, process that <laughs> you have to go through. I just want to talk to somebody. I know. But here we are and we're connected. But here we are. Yeah. So how's it go? Oh my God, I haven't seen you since all the world started to slip and fall apart. I know. That's right. It's been a minute. You're all grown up now. You're 18? 19. 19. Whoa. Yes. You're getting up there. <laughs> I know. I'm getting old. Isabella, it looks like you're sitting in the corner right now. It's like so sad. It looks like somebody, don't put oh. baby in the corner. No, it's fine. Nobody's going to see this. Just, just well, that's why I, I like to pace when I talk and I was like, oh, this oh, okay. is not video. So <laughs> I can do that. This is going to be a hilarious interview. So yeah. <laughs> yes, for those of you who I'm sure you know, Isabella, although she's a young talent, she's 19 but you've been around for a long time right like so you can fill us in but like I'll just tell the audience a little bit about you like I don't think that was your first movie but one of your big breakthroughs was the movie with Julia Roberts right yes what was the name of that again sorry I just didn't wonder wonder and I saw it and it's beautiful and you were amazing you. in it and were you like 15 uh yeah wow yeah that was a Four years ago Four years ago. Yeah, that's crazy to think. How quickly, right? And and mm -hmm. you were in the Veronica Mars reboot that released it last was. year. Is that, are they going to do another season or? Not that I know of. Oh, sorry. Was that on no, Hulu? No, no. What, what network was that on? Yeah, that was on Hulu. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was intended to be a limited, you know, limited series, eight episode release. So I don't really know if there was a second season even in the plan originally. Okay. Um, but, you know, always welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, and uh, but tell, but, but you were working before you started out like kind of as a child actor, right? I did. Yeah. I started out acting like 
around seven or eight. Um, so it feels like oh my gosh, yeah. breathing, um, <laughs> right? Like, um, yeah. So I, I started out acting young and it's just something that I really love to do. And you were born and raised here in California? I was technically born in Chicago. Oh, but wow, I didn't know that. Raised okay. here. Yeah. But you have also, you have European roots because you speak fluent Serbian. Yeah, or, I speak fluent. Well, it's, it's well, confusing. Yeah. I, I think I, I speak, you know, Bosnian, Croatian, Serbian, because they're all different countries, but originally it was Yugoslavia. And so right. originally there was one sort of like unified Serbo-Croatian language. Um, and when the country split up, there's like this difference in dialect now. So every time I say which language I speak, I feel like it confuses people. But um, essentially, my parents are Croatians by nationality, but they were born and raised in Bosnia. Okay, wow. So I speak Bosnian slash Croatian. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So that, yeah, if that clears it up a little bit. And but they're you- so similar. Uh, well, my best friend is Serbian. He's in Croatia mm-hmm. right now, and I'm like, Okay, well, we'll see what happens in the next month. I may be packing my bags. And <laughs> I mean, Croatia yeah. is so beautiful, right? Like, yeah. and Havar and Split and, um, um, uh, oh my God, what's the name of? Uh, uh, Dubrovnik. What, yeah, Dubrovnik, yes. Mm-hmm. But also, Belgrade is really an awesome city. And I've yet to be, uh, I've yet to visit Serbia, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but I would love to a- go. He has a place in Belgrade right on the Danube River, and it's so beautiful. And um, But so, like, have, did you, was your family part of, like, the sort of uh, split between, like, ethnic groups? Like, he has mm-hmm. people who were on both sides. Of, yeah. You know, like, we're giving everybody a little history lesson here, but it was really a tumultuous time, right? Like, well, you weren't even Very. born yet. It was in the 80s. No, that was in the early 90s, in the 90s actually. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, my well, my mom, she, she moved to the States at the age of 18. So right before the war had started, she wow. wasn't, okay. you know, so she wasn't there. And my dad um, also went to Germany um, to study. So neither of them were um, really in the conflict, um, because they were both really like my age, um, right. they got and out. they both left. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, I, I, I've just, I've spoken to my parents a lot about it. It was a very difficult time, you know, cause they grew up in a, in a unified, um, nation and then everything split up. Split apart. Yeah. And also like Sarajevo got bombed, right? Like it was like yeah. such, a, it was such a beautiful city. And then, and they had the Olympics there, what, in 84 or something like that, right? And then mm-hmm. it, yeah, this is intense, like an intense. Did you see, by the way, did you ever watch the Angelina Jolie movie that she directed? No, I didn't. That she, she actually filmed it in Bosnia, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. And Isabel, I, I you really might like want to watch it. it. It's really... It's in the really land well of done. blood and honey, in right? In the land of blood and honey. And yeah. I think that was her directorial debut. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautifully done and very painful. And, you know, it just represents, right, like ethnic civil wars that happen everywhere around the world and like the personal fallout, right? Like you can fall in love right. with someone of a different 
class or socioeconomic uh, system or ethnicity in an area that is taboo or is illegal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Or even in America, like we're dealing with, right? Like the Black Lives Matter movement. And it feels like sometimes we haven't even gotten that far, even though it's 2020 and you look back and you see like, I don't know if it was illegal, but way back, like for white people to be in any kind of relationship with black people, right? Like it's really, it's, it, it, to me, sometimes these things show us how slow change occurs. Very slow. You know, very slow. Yeah. It da- no, no, for certain. Because also I think that, you know, even in things that are currently happening and um, with Trump's election into presidency four years ago and how a lot of the a lot of the country didn't think that was ever going to happen. And then it did. And then a lot of people such as myself thought, well, over the course of these four years, at least people are going to um, have a sort of awakening and realize a lot of things about, you know, our country um, socially, economically, you know, things that that need to be fixed. And I think that um, just kind of seeing like, the trajectory of like where our country has landed after those four years has really shown that, like you said, change is so slow. Like we're so far away from a lot of the change that I think many of us were hoping was, was going to happen out of this. Well, what is it? What do you, what do young people, you can vote. Yay. I know. (laughs) Your first election, right? Yeah. Yes. And like, what do you, what do you feel like is the, sort of the pulse on the ground of young people. Like, you know, the young people that I'm surrounded with are, you know, in an outrage about all of it from mm-hmm. social justice to climate collapse to, mm-hmm. you know, like just basically social rights. But yes, you feel like, you know, I mean, I know you don't, you don't, you're not the spokesperson for all young people, but do you feel like people are really going to come out and vote and because in the past there hasn't been a lot of and I guess by the time this airs (laughs) I should spoiler who knows maybe I don't know as well what I have in front of you but maybe we'll bump this up before the election because (laughs) you can tell me something now and then we post it after the election and you know it's kind of sure but what do you think like do you think young people are being galvanized Well, you know what? I think that, like you said, like voter turnout for young population was really like painfully low, um, even two elections ago. Um, But I think that ever since um, Trump became involved in the election process mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of young people such as myself have kind of been forced to go, wait a second wait a second, like what's going on? Who's leading our country? Like it's, it's, it's no longer, um, it's no longer really about Republicans or Democrats. It's no longer like a party issue. It's, it's more just become like a human issue. Mm. And I think that 18, 19 year olds such as myself are just like worried about the state of our country. It's like, wait, we're, we're becoming adults right now. Why has everything just gone down this rabbit hole? Like things seem so normal when I was in school and yeah. now that I'm like being asked to vote, it seems like it seems like such a sort of a ludicrous position to be put in. Um, you know what I'm saying? And I think that in that sense, a lot of the young population has just been kind of like like pushed and forced into being politically aware because it's like if we're not, then who's going to be? Like we're we have to take we have to take the the fate of the country into our hands and like make sure that we get back on track. 
Well, I also think like it's always been, I think we forget, right? It's always been up to young people in some form or another to keep sure. pushing things forward. Like when when it when, when it came to workers' rights, like a lot of people that were being taken advantage of at the turn of the century were, uh-huh. you know, kids, children who were working illegally. And I mean, they had no voice, but like I do I do find like if we look through history, young people have always been like, what is the problem? Like, I feel like badly, like my generation has like effed it up for young people. And it makes me really, you know, I'm complicit in part of that, Isabella, like, you know, and I have to mm-hmm. apologize. Like, I, you know me, and I feel like I'm very conscientious and I'm aware, and I, but I'm still part of that generation. And, and I think it like, I think all of us have to sort of reconcile our contribution to where we're at in the world. But I always try to think like listening to you and you're so hopeful and young and beautiful. And I'm like, Oh, it's going to make me cry. Like I always think like, well, gosh, when I was your age, I don't, it's weird. Cause it's both right. Because at some level and also being in the business, which adds, you know, being an artist and being in the entertainment business, it adds maybe another level of like, not stress, but uh, pondering and thinking about one's future because it feels very uncertain. Right. But when I was your age, Certainly there's an existential aspect of being young and coming into our maturity and wondering about the world that I, I'm sure I felt like you feel, but then I'm also like, gosh, I don't know if I had to reckon with the things that young people are reckoning with now. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I think that a lot of like, I think that a lot of the, um, reason, and I think that what, what holds the responsibility for like this, um, almost like a necessary awareness that we mm. all feel like we need to have is just like the emergence of media on so many platforms. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I think that um, when you were at the same age that I was, I feel like there just wasn't as much available for there you to nothing. be even as aware as everybody is today. Like, there was just no way of knowing what was happening on every corner of the world at sure. every time of the day. And now, we are like being spoon fed all of this information that I don't even know if like humans are meant to have that much awareness and information, you know? And so I think that it's so overwhelming. Like it's a beautiful thing that we're like brought together and, and we have this sort of um, like global community and awareness and we can, yeah, we can connect with people on, on so much more than we used to be able to. But I think that it creates for a lot of anxiety, um, because you like have this, you feel this responsibility that you need to save the world now. Um, And like, that's not possible to do on your own. (laughs) Yeah, No, for sure. I mean, I mean, it brings up so many questions I have, like, how do you feel there was an article, I just skimmed it like yesterday, but Mm -hmm. about how, you know, social media influencers, it's not like you have like 50 million followers, but because you're well known, you have a lot of followers, like they were talking about how, uh, Instagram or, or social media influencers can't stay, remain quiet about sort of really important issues. And mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Well, I think what saddens me about social media for that reason is that I think, you know, there are a lot of influencers, a lot of people that have built this following and this fan base around something completely unrelated to, um, social issues, to politics, to any of that. And, um, I struggle with it because I think that like, as a public figure, I don't think it's your responsibility 
to, um, to change the way that people think or to reflect in your actions that you're a role, role model. I think that if you come out and you're a singer or you're an artist or an actor, like you've gained recognition for that thing you do. And I think that is, you know, what you should hold up. But then at the same time, and like on the same hand, as somebody who has a following, and I know a lot of that following is young, I do just kind of like inevitably feel a responsibility to to tell people in like such extreme times, hey, like I'm going to vote. I'm paying attention to what's happening. I'm inviting you to do that with me. And so I don't condemn people for not using their platforms for that because they didn't start their platforms to do that in the first place. Right, for sure. But I think that if if you are interested in it yourself and if it's something that like speaks to your heart, like if it's a cause that really matters to you, you might as well invite the people that are listening to you to do, you know, to pay attention to. Well, that's a good point. Isabel, like, I think it's like, it wants to feel organic, right? Like it shouldn't be performative. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's like a natural, I also think like when young people, yes, what you're passionate about, or as you get to know yourself more, you start to, as artists, like, I think to be an artist is to reflect back to humanity, what it means to be human. And that also Mm -hmm. means like, you're curious about humanity, but you're also like mortified by the extremes. Right. And so you start to become more political without, without the word political meaning left or right, just sort of, to me, politicalness is just about doing what's right for humanity. Right. Right. And there's no, the problem with the, with the political nature of that definition is that there's the economics to things is attached to whatever climate change. It shouldn't be a, it shouldn't, it should be apolitical, right? Because everybody is going to suffer from it, but because there's a monetary aspect tied to it, it's become, Mm -hmm. but if we can, you know, steer clear of that, well, it's already, it is already what it is, but I think that that's mm-hmm. the purity of being, I was going to post something. Uh, I got this uh, mask that says make art. Right. And ah. then I was going to post it and then, and then be like, and the more political art you make the better because political art, again, it's not about Democrat or Republican. It is about revealing, you know, shedding light upon just, just where we are in this moment in time. And that's naturally political, right? No. And, and, and that's like, I think that it's something that a lot of us, especially over COVID and over this, just over 2020 in general, I think that a lot of us being in isolation and like seeing, you know, everything outside just kind of fall apart and like burn and collapse and like literally burn in California. That's, just a whole other yeah that is other thing terrible tragedy in and of itself and i think that yeah just seeing like the world fall apart and and seeing it from the inside of our homes i think so many people just naturally are are developing an interest in politics because it's like well i can't just sit here and pretend that i don't care or pretend mm-hmm. that it's not happening yeah. you know i i think that even like 10 years ago i think political conversation was something that was reserved it was something that you you didn't bring up at the dinner table because it's like everybody's got their own views we'll all talk about it when election season comes and I think now it's like it's welcomed 
That's like, hilarious. What do you I, think? <laughs> I've been political since I was like 12 years old. So like, like I'm the opposite. You know what I mean? But I get what you're saying. Yes. Like, I just do, mean like generally, I don't think no, that like, no, no, I've I ever filtered myself right, because yeah. I'm very outspoken yeah. and my family is outspoken. But I think like, you know, you would go over to somebody's house and it's like, well, maybe we don't talk about our different right. views. Right. And yeah. now it's like, no, we're going to talk about our different views. We're going to we're going to have these conversations because this is important for change to happen and it's going to be uncomfortable. Well, it's also like what you said earlier. You, we can't really change someone's mind about something, but we can you know, when we just, to me, it's again, like sharing the humanity around mm-hmm. something that maybe somebody's never heard of it or thought of it the way we're talking about it or someone is talking about a cause. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, oh, maybe never thought about it that way. And I think that that's all yeah. we can do. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. we're more humane about our humanity, that's kind mm-hmm. of where we in the middle you know, because at the end of the day, everybody's the same, right? They, we want to be at peace. Like, even like, if you look at it, like the extremism of Donald Trump and a lot of people, you know, who he surrounds himself with, like in a really distorted way, what they're doing, I think they believe at the end of the day, they're going to feel good and be at peace. And like, unconsciously, that's what we're all striving for. We, we do things to find our sort of like, happiness set point you know no uh, that's a great point actually um like just finding our happiness set point I think that's something that we're we're all as humans chasing that's what I mean right so we're all the same like we want love we want to be seen we want to be heard like you Mm -hmm. know so then you can start to see the core of the humanity of you know I've had my battles with that like sometimes I'll demonize (laughs) right certain individuals and I'm like okay I can't you know as a teacher of like exploring our complex humanity, we can't, you know, what if you get cast in a role that because of fear or there's some underlying motivation, like she is really evil to people, right? Like, yeah, you have to be that character's advocate. That's right. (laughs) So you can't judge it. You know what I mean? So I think we have to remember that as actors and as artists. Yes. So, well, I really hope that, you know, the generation that you are a part of is going to show up at the polls. I think they are. I think they are. I think so too. I have really exciting. I have a lot of faith in us. I think that so many people that I'm talking to actually care. Yeah. Like, like I see that they actually Actually care. And now it's like, it's like uncool to not know. Like now it's like a thing where it's just, it's like not cool to not know what's happening. It's like, oh, it's election season. Like, didn't you see the debate last night? Like, (laughs) didn't you see that? And it's like, Putin's like, no, I'm going to, I'll send you a link. You need to go tune in. It's like, oh, you know, like everything is just, everything is so like hip almost now, which it's not like a reason that you should join a conversation, but it is a reason that a lot of people do. That's right. (laughs) But Isabel, I think that's also like the evolution of social media too, right? Like, I mean, if you think about like the Egyptian uh, uprising or the uprising uh, Arab Spring that occurred, they originally, that was like kind of the, around the time of the birth of Twitter or Twitter wasn't around that long and they used it to activate activism, right? And so I think we've gotten like anything that becomes commercialized, right? We We get away from maybe the original meaning of connection but I think it's like we're evolving I think like people 
are becoming more vocal on their pages. And I only want to like follow people that are interested in the well-being of all citizens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I mean, mean, it's like, what kind of energy do you want on your feed? You know, because I, I, I recently, I, I don't know. I have a feeling you might have seen the social dilemma. Oh yeah, we should. Yes. Yes. On Netflix. And like, I, Ooh, I like, I really struggled after seeing that and not, not to go into like a whole review as a film critic or anything like that. But I just found it so fascinating. Like so many of the points they made and, and what you just said about following people that, that, you know, care about the good of humanity. I remember one of the points made was, was, you know, to, to combat sort of like these algorithms and, um, that, that, that are imposed upon us is to follow people that you disagree with. Oh, and right. I thought yeah. that was such a fascinating point. Cause it's like, I don't, like, no, I, don't, I, I don't want to see that on my page. Like, if I'm going to ingest social media, I want to feel, like, good after I do. Exactly. But at the same time, it makes you think. It's like, okay, but maybe, like, I should know these things. Maybe I should just see it, be exposed to it, know that it exists. Maybe. Maybe just read. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it yet. Maybe just watch Fox News. I don't know. Then you just get Ooh, a com- well, you get a completely different view. I mean, I get what you're saying, but yeah, I, I would get oh, no, too no, no. triggered. I would get too <laughs> triggered. <laughs> I don't, like, I'm not saying that this is something I've done. No, 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 I know. But I'm just saying, like, I get it. But I would, because you're right, because they talk about everybody's in their own echo chamber, Yes. But, like you're in your own, like you have tunnel vision essentially. Yeah, that's right. But you know, again, like, yes, you're right. Like critical thinking and critical comparison is important for a healthy debating society. However, mm-hmm. a, <laughs> I, like, I like to be in my own bubble. You know what I mean? Like there's a naivete about it. Again, like if you're on the side of, you know, again, I just think humanity, I don't think it's that hard. I just always feel like, are the choices we're making right now, are they uplifting? Are they serving people? Are they helping mm-hmm. the environment? Are they marginalizing people? Are they hurting nature? You know, it's it's very simple to say yes or no to the choices we make. You know what I mean? And I think that well, that's that, how we approach our art too, like as, as artists. For sure. You wouldn't go, you know, if your agent got you a role for something that you thought was misogynistic or was like mm-hmm. not representing what it mean? it was disgracing women, you wouldn't say yes to it. You'd be like, you know, it's just not no. my thing. You know what I mean? Right. So I think it's, well, so let's talk, that's a perfect segue. So how are you doing during COVID? Are you, have you been auditioning or like? Yeah, auditions quiet? are kind of funny um, during COVID because you feel like you send a tape and then you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I've had, um, like there was one, you know, I, I always try to look at like the, the positive and, and I was, um, having this point where I was auditioning for things and I just was like, oh, this is so uninspiring. Like I'm just sending things out and they're, they're not sticking. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I got this one project that came across my, my table and I read the script and it was one of my favorite scripts that I've read in a very long time. And that in and of itself was like, oh, this is why I act. Yeah. Like I just, oh, it made me cry. I don't cry at the end of scripts. Um, and I sent this tape in and I felt good about it. And then I, I got feedback that they were 
pushing the the uh, shoot until um, next year, but okay. that they would love, like they love my tape, they love to revisit. So I felt like that was something that like I had to hold on to. It was yeah. like, okay, so so people are seeing these and and they can go somewhere. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, I think things are starting to pick up a little bit. I've been coaching a lot in the last mm-hmm. week, all of a sudden, like, especially for guys, maybe more so, I don't know what that's about, but like, um, but yeah, it's been super busy. So I think things, a lot of things, you know, are shooting in other places too, like Vancouver or Atlanta yes. or, you know what I mean? But I'm yeah. sure it will pick up. I mean, you're in a really heavy, heavily cast demographic because. Very. You know I mean? Yeah. So you'll, yeah. you'll, I'm sure. And you have a great, you have great reps. So like, but yeah, it is weird. Like, but also I think it's about for you, the challenges is you can play so young Mm-hmm. I always tell like people to like, like the teens that I work with, sometimes they are in that awkward phase where you can still play what 15, 16 for sure, 17. And there's mm-hmm. not maybe either, either for those kind of roles, they might go for somebody who really is that age. Cause it's just like one role with adults or a lot of times the age appropriateness of the character that you'd play they age up so there's a bunch of 30 year olds playing 18 year olds you know what i mean yeah it's a very funny like age it's kind of tricky. yeah yeah but you know what i've found i have found that um it's also like a really great age to be for that reason like because i think that there are roles when i was 16 auditioning for that I wasn't getting and that like 19, 20, 21 year olds were getting because they were adults. That's right. And it was either like a budgetary restriction or just yeah, legal purely like, yeah, purely right. just yeah. like they wanted to be able to work with an adult and not have to worry about it. And yeah. so, um, like now I'm seeing that I'm auditioning for those younger roles still, but I'm also getting opportunities for roles that are like in their early twenties. And even if I don't book those roles, it's really like fun to be able to play in that older sphere. Yeah. Um, so I like that I have like this really large range that I didn't have before now. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. You get better. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Acting gets better as we get older. So we just, we have more to pull from, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. And now you just finished a project with your mom and your uncle. Was it your uncle? No. So my mom and her creative partner, um, who I call my aunt because I've known her my whole life, but she's not my aunt. Okay. So an auntie by association, right? Yes. So, and, but you guys shot that before COVID. We did. We shot it um, May of last year. Wow. Okay. And so what's that journey been like being, you know, a producer, sort of working with your, you know, people you love and doing Mm -hmm. your own stuff, which is important, right? Like you've done some big Hollywood projects and big studio movies, but here you are like wanting to do indie stuff. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can talk about the movie yet, because I don't know what you're going to do with it, but but so what, what, like, what do you, what's been your takeaway from that? Um, you know, it's been like a really, I think it's been a really humbling experience. And then it's also been (laughs) gratifying in the sense that it's, I've, I've taken away so much knowledge from it because I both produced and acted in it. Um, and the script, uh, was written by my mom and her creative partner, Catherine, um, and they 
spent years developing it because it was one script and then it was no longer that script and then it became a different Mm -hmm. thing. So even as a young actor, like I remember reading drafts of it and then finally landing on a final version when we launched our Indiegogo campaign in 2017. So that was really when I hopped on and became a part of the project was, was three years ago. Um, and I just kind of, because of all of that and because of seeing the process, even as an outsider, I just had an attachment to it. Like I wanted to see it become a film. I wanted to see it come to life. Um, and because it, it took us an additional year or two after the Indiegogo campaign to get the rest of the funding, I ended up playing the older role in the script, um, which was exciting because this role that I, that I play in the movie is, you know, she's very mature and she, she gets married in the film. And so Mm -hmm. it puts me in a different light, um, which was exciting, but you know, that's kind of from the acting side, but like from the producing side, I have only produced short films. Mm -hmm. Um, so producing a feature film, a low budget independent film is just like nothing else. I mean, there is nobody can explain that kind I know, of it's crazy. like <laughs> that kind of like anxiety. Anarchy. Yeah. Anarchy. That's the yeah. word. It was yeah, it was a lot. You but beg, borrow, so not steal, but like you like well, you do, you steal shots sometimes, right? Like you do. You're <laughs> well, like, sure. oh my God, I can't shoot here, but let's just shoot it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the thing is, is like, you really start to appreciate, like you really start to appreciate the value of like people's time, talent, um, money, like the money that you have. It's like, oh my God, this, this, like these peanuts for Hollywood are like gold for me. Like this is, this is everything (laughs) and talent. Like, Oh my God, what it means to have a small but mighty crew and like great actors, like it's everything. And so I think just coming out of that experience, it really made me realize like, a, I have so much more respect for just every like producer that I've ever met, like Mm. independent producer that I've met also like that Mm. just, scramble to get these projects off ground and do it so well. Um, and also like how much love I have for the process because I don't want to like quit even after yeah. going through all that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I think yeah. You, yeah. I think you brought up so many great points as well. Like it, it also gives you such appreciation for like, I also think too, like there's so many amazing talented indie artists, right? Like who like, and maybe some of them have done huge projects like yourself or whatever, but, but, but also like you realize like there's so much talent here, you know what I mean? And so that, much. That it's just sometimes it's a breakaway or somebody getting acknowledged or getting, a, you know, a hand up. And then all of a sudden they're working on a James Cameron movie, whether it's, you know, behind the, you know, the camera or in front of it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, to me, it's really exciting to see people having that maverick attitude and that, that sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, the show must go on and we can make it happen. You know what I mean? If right. you have a dollar, you make it for a dollar, but you make it, you know, I find yes. that to be really incredible. Like the passion for people, you know, myself included are surrounded by some amazing artists who know how to make beautiful things for not a lot of money, because that's just sort of the mother of invention. You just is what it is until you get yeah. to another level but well, I that's also think, exactly what it is. You know, I also think, like, it's like COVID is also maybe reminding us, like, 
I think we live in a culture that we keep thinking that our life is going to get better when, like when you get to be in a bigger movie or when you're working opposite the rock or, and all those things are great. But, but I also think what I've been, you know, really contemplating, like when I go back and look at what we don't, what we can't do anymore and how Uh perfect and beautiful those experiences were just for what they were, not necessarily as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of like the, 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 the monkey mind that we keep and the media telling us that, Oh, once you get blah, 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 then your life really happens, but it doesn't work that way. Like the best moments you probably recollect you know, like, oh my God, we shot that one scene and my mom was yelling at me <laughs> and uh-huh. ah, I thought I was going to lose my mind. But now you look back and you're like, oh my God, it was so much fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, of course. And how so was much it, of that. But how was, it, how was it working with your mom? I mean, I know you guys are close, but were, was there ever any mother-daughter stuff that cracks me up? Like, or were you guys pretty, pretty cool? No. I got it. <laughs> Honestly, I am really funny. Like when I'm in work mode, like I get, I become like a different person. You're like profesh. Yeah. Very. And so like, well, yeah, you are. You're very profesh. Thank you. But I'll reframe it like as an actor, um, when we're not like when we're on our off time and when, you know, when I'm just talking to other actors, like that's fine. I'm not going to be weird and like, you know, not talk to anybody and isolate. And I don't, you know, I don't take it to an extreme um, obviously, unless the character is calling for it and that's understood. But when it came to like producing on set, I referred to my mom as her name. I referred to her as Elisabetta. Um, okay. And I found that unless I did that, like unless I created that divide, I just couldn't, like I couldn't be a producer on set. Like oh, I was yeah, just her daughter. Instead of calling her so, mom, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like if I needed a note or anything, like everybody called her Betta and that's how I referred to her. And then also like being, because, you know, she's also a producer on the project, but because she was uh, directing it when we were on set, she was not wearing her producer hat. Right. And right. as an actress, if I had heavy days, I wasn't wearing my producer hat, but most of the time I was. And so there was me and our lead producer, our second lead producer, Steven. And so people were supposed to be looking to me um, for some sort of guidance throughout the day, for some level of leadership. Right. And I was an 18-year-old, like, five, three and a half, like, running around. I'm, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not very intimidating physically. Uh, <laughs> so the last thing I felt like I needed was to refer to my mom as mom. Like, I just needed I know, that that's divide. hilarious. Yeah, 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 that's hilarious. And it helped me. Okay, that's a funny story. It's so true. Um... <laughs> I just had a thought when I was hearing you say that, but now I forgot. Oh, shoot. But, uh, yeah, that is really – oh, you know, I was thinking it reminds me of – I mean, I don't know. I'm sure, like, if you were able to make that distinction and your mom gave you notes, it probably worked out. But I love telling this story about uh, Helene uh, Helene Bonham – Helene Bonham Carter? Yeah, Helene Bonham Carter, right? That's so, my dog, by the way. I'm so sorry. She's oh, okay. excited because uh, my parents just came home. Oh, nice. My bad. Okay. So Helena Bonham Carter was working with um, her husband. uh, Oh, my God. He did, um, you know who her husband is. He did Beetlejuice. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Okay. So Uh it might have been Sweeney Todd. I don't remember what movie, but he would go up to all of the other actors 
And he'd be like, oh my God, that was amazing. You did so awesome. And I, I could see that moment. And he'd be so specific and so complimentary to the right. people. And then he'd go up to his wife and he's like, that was good. You did great. And she like had a meltdown and she's like, oh, I, have to, I, have to have, I have to talk to you. And he came over and he's like, what? And he's, she's like, if you don't start treating me like all these other actresses and start complimenting my work and support me right yeah she like but and then after that he's like oh gosh because sometimes we take it for granted you know what I mean like we We do you know because you have a shorthand with people we know but I just love that story so much that she had demand from her husband but as an actress from her director like what she needed and it's very hard to make that distinction too because like you said you have that shorthand and so it's like well they know that I like their work they know I think they're great and it's like well if you're telling everybody else on set they're great I know that's like sometimes when I direct I just tell people I'm like that was fine that was fine and then they're like oh my god and I was like no I mean I mean I have no notes because it was great but I just you know I'm I'm on to other things but yes actors need hand-holding sometimes you know what I mean sometimes yeah and and it's like well especially if they're seeing like especially in that case if you're like seeing everybody else get these accolades and it's like well where yes where are we like oh god (laughs) yeah um (laughs) Well, as well, let's end with our speed round. It's super fun. This time went Ooh. so by so fast. I know this is this is tricky. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna fire these out and just respond with whatever comes to mind. Okay. okay. So, if you weren't an actor, what would you be? Uh, uh, there's so many things. I'm sorry. I'm terrible at no, this. No, it's okay. okay. I, I, would, get I, I would probably um, work in criminal justice. Oh wow. Okay, we need that. Um. What's one thing you can't do without? Um, I can't do without chapstick. Oh, good one. Are you addicted? Yeah. I think they have like an addiction thing though, right? Once we start wearing certain kind, you can't. Yeah, like... I'm not addicted to mine. I just get anxious when I don't have it, which is weird. That is funny. What's something, one thing you would take on an island? Not besides your chapstick. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's not the one thing I would take. Um, one thing I would take on an island, I would take a journal. Oh, nice. But with a pen. Um, yeah. So what's we're going to double it. What's your favorite film of all time? Or just, it sounds so dramatic, but what's a favorite film of yours? Uh, uh, that's a terrible question. Pan's or, Labyrinth. Del Toro. I love Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Good, good choice. Uh, um, Who's your celebrity crush? Can be guy or girl. My celebrity crush. I can tell you who my first celebrity crush was ever. That'll be yes. easier for me. Tell us. Nat Wolf. Oh. Yeah, I was obsessed with the Naked Brothers band. If he ever finds out, I that that's was, fine. It's a little embarrassing that I'm admitting this. Uh, the Naked Brothers band. Him and Alex Wolf. But he's a brother. Yes, that's yeah. right. But yeah. I always confuse the two. So Alex Wolf is the one who is in Hereditary. Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's kind of, of mine, I think, how people... Yes, a friend of mine just produced a movie with him oh. in Canada, and he's in that movie. So, ah. so that's Alex. But yeah, Alex. On, on Nat. On yeah, Nat. who was in um, Paper Towns. Oh, yeah. John Green okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, how would you describe acting in one word? Empathetic. True that. 
And the last one, what's your definition of love? Let's drop my phone. Um, unconditional. It, it should be unconditional. I don't know how else to. That is, that's love. I always like to end with my definition of love is just this moment right now. Oh, Aww. that's oh, wonderful. I'm a huge fan. You're really, look, I always start to cry. Here I go. Oh, well, I have so much love for you, Anthony. Uh, I know it's so good that we've gotten to know each other. And so tell, tell uh, your fans or our, the people who are listening to the podcast where they can find you. And I, don't, I know you're, we talked about in the movie we were just talking about, you're figuring out where it's going to go. And, and so I don't know if people can find that yet, but they can find your other stuff. They can watch you on, on Veronica Mars is still on Hulu. Yes. And Wonder um, is on Netflix. Wonder, is it on Netflix now? I think so. I think that's where I watch it. Or maybe it was Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, I know it's on. Amazon Prime, got it. Okay. Um, yeah, so, well, I, my name is Isabella Vitovich. All of my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just the same handle. I'm, I mean, Instagram's like my main platform, main I would thing. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also um, sometimes help co-run uh, my production company's social media, which is just almost normal productions. Um, and we have a lot of like really fun updates about the movie Severed Silence. Um, yeah. So I would say those are great places to find me. The name of the movie is Severed Silence and on her almost normal. Is that what you said? Yeah. Almost Almost normal. normal uh, Instagram. She's going to keep, uh, people abreast of, of where it's heading. Yes. Yes, Um, I will. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank and yes, you. You and your tribe are going to get out the vote. Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> Count on it. Check out anthonymindle.com slash events for worldwide classes.